This is the best, most fun I have ever, ever, ever had on a podcast. This is a hit. I'm Jesse Cole, your host of Business Done Differently, where we get to meet successful people who look at business differently, and we get to know them in a different way. I think one of the things that paralyzes most companies from creating remarkable experiences for their customers is that they believe that they have to do it for every customer. And that scares them. And so then they say, well, I guess we won't do it for anyone. Yeah. Folks, dip your foot in the pool. Give it a try. Pick a handful. Even if you want to do it for your best customers, I don't care. Start to create that level of philosophy and that level of thinking in your organization that we really want to love on our customers. We want to create a great experience. You know, I love it because it's it's the authenticity and the vulnerability. And I think so many companies are scared to show that, but it really gives people everything. It's like, all right, I can make my decisions. And why is Amazon so, you know, killing it right now? Because it's so easy. You have the reviews, you have all the details. It's one click ordering. Why doesn't everyone provide that? So that's one of the first things I noticed. You are living your brand. Today's guest is Joey Coleman, the expert on customer experience and customer loyalty. Joey just recently launched the best-selling book, Never Lose a Customer Again. He's traveled the world speaking with the top businesses and he's sharing his 100 days strategy. And he has the best about page I've ever seen on a website, sharing his life and experiences in an awesomely unique way. Please welcome the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Joey Coleman. Welcome to Business Done Differently, Joey. Jesse, thank you so much. It is an absolute thrill to be on your show. As you know, I am a huge fan of yours. And those gracious compliments, let's be honest, anybody who knows you, uh, that they're very kind and I appreciate it. But for you to call me the legend in experience when uh, you're rocking around in a yellow tuxedo and just creating amazing things for your fans in Savannah, let me tell you, uh, I, I consider that uh, to be a mutual admiration society. Thanks. So, absolutely a big fan of what you do as well. Well, I'm pumped because we're speaking the same language and everything is about the customer experience. And you've done a lot of research on this. But I, I first want to start with the radical transparency because your website, Joey, you share it all. I mean, the cost for you to speak, the cost to talk to you on the phone, stories about you and your family. I I'm curious, why do you share everything on your website? You know, uh, I've got a good friend named Marcus Sheridan, and his philosophy is they ask, you answer. His belief is that if your customers are asking questions, you should put them out there in a way that they can get the answer to their question without having to speak with you directly. And he presented this philosophy to me a few years ago, and I thought, you know what? This is great. Why not put this information on my website? You know, when we, when as a consumer, when I go to a website, one of the first things I look at is the price. How much is this going to cost? Because yeah. guess what? If it's out of my budget, it's out of the budget. There's nothing I can do about it. And so I wanted to put right on the website, look, this is what it costs to hire me to speak. I understand that that may be out of the budget for some folks. And that's okay because what that means is they will either A, go find more money before they call me or B, they will not call. And as much as I'd like to connect with everyone, you know, if somebody's not going to be a good fit for my business, they're not going to be a good fit. I don't want to waste my time or their time. And so that's why I do it. And I, you know, as it relates to the family and sharing stories about my life, I'm a big believer uh, the, the type of speaker I strive to be is a person who behaves in a way on stage 
that you're engaged, you're excited, you're energized, and you fall in love. And you feel the same way with how I behave off stage. So what you see is what you get with me. There, there's, there's no secrets. It's all out there. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and everything in between. And there's been plenty of in between. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and so I just thought, you know, this is a way for people to get to understand me. And it also, frankly, aligns with the message of my book, which is if you really want to succeed, you have to be creating personal and emotional connections with your customers. If you're not going to create a personal and emotional connection, you're not going to be able to have the kind of long-term relationship that you want. Mm. So that's really where, where I kind of structure everything and why I've taken that philosophy. You know, I love it because it's, it's the authenticity and the vulnerability. And I think so many companies are scared to show that, but it really gives people everything. It's like, all right, I can make my decisions. And why is Amazon so, you know, killing it right now? Because it's so easy. You have the reviews, you have all the details. It's one click ordering. Why doesn't everyone provide that? So that's one of the first things I noticed. You are living your brand, Joey. And I guess what, what fascinates me is I'd like to go to a mirror moment and, and take, a, take you back a little bit. When did you realize that this customer retention and experience you know, was a problem that you wanted to solve? Well, it's actually, it, it was a, a couple of things that uh, coalesced. I was running an ad agency where people were hiring me to do marketing. And I was helping a particular client of mine drive clients to a new area of their business. And as quickly as we were bringing them in the front door, they were running out the back. And that's because they didn't have a good onboarding system. So I could get the phones to ring. I could get the customers to come to the door. But the client was struggling to keep those folks for more than an initial engagement. And when I unpacked it, I realized that this was a pervasive problem across all corporations. You know, depending on uh, what kind of industry you're in, but covering every industry in the world. Uh, I've studied them all, looked at not only in the United States, but globally. Somewhere between 20 and 70% of your new customers will leave before they reach the 100-day anniversary. And when I realized that, I was taken aback, Jesse. I mean, I was just like, holy cow, 20 to 70%. Companies are hemorrhaging in the first three months of the relationship. And why is no one talking about this? Mm. At the same time that I had this realization, I thought back to my days in undergrad. I studied government and international relations. And one of the things we talked about, my one of my, if you can have an area of expertise, I think it was an area of study is a better way to put that, when I was in college, was the United States presidency. And for many years now, everyone's been talking about the first 100 days of the president and how what you look at what happens in the first 100 days, lots of times it's dispositive of what the next four years are going to be like. And the same holds true in business. And that's where I said, wait a second, I know what first 100 days means in the government. What does first 100 days look like in business? And the more research I did, the more I realized that the parallels were shocking. There is nothing that will give you a better indicator of the lifetime value and the lifetime relationship with a customer than what happens in the first 100 days. It's brilliant. And in full disclosure, you know, when I first heard this speech out in Phoenix and we were speaking at the same platform in NextCon, my wife, we snuck her in because I was like, you got to hear this because we're so into the experience with our teams. We took more notes for your hour keynote than I think we did the rest of the whole session. 
And because it's something that's not talked about. And I think when you talk about with the, it, it's a serious problem. And in your book, you talk some statistics. And I want to go to our first game, Joey, where we actually right. share these, these statistics. All right. I'm going to keep you on your toes here because all right, from geez, you, this, you know, this is pressure. This is pressure. Folks, you don't understand. This is crazy. I love Jesse's podcast. But as you know, because if you're listening to Jesse's podcast, you may listen to other shows as well, none of which are as good. But you may listen to some other ones. Games is not something that usually happens happens in the podcast arena. So, but I am up to the challenge. I'm an experienced guy too. Let's see how I do. It's all a part of the experience. So we're going to have some fun. All right. So it's business jeopardy. I'm going to take you to a statistic from your book or another thing. And you have to say either in a question form, what that is. You ready for this? All right. Here we go. Here we go. 46% of new customers will never visit this kid's restaurant and arcade again. What is Chuck E. Cheese? Bam. Nailed it. All right. And I shared that with my staff and they were blown away. Almost one in two customers never come back. All right. Next one here. 21% of people will get out of this very difficult contract of this type of industry within the first 100 days. What is their cell phone contract? Yes. And you shared that. That blew me away. I thought that you could never get out of those contracts, but no, that's the thing. Everybody, they're so draconian. You know, you've got to pay a lot of money, you know, maybe give them a car, hand off one of your kids. If you've got children, it's not fun. And yet 21% are breaking it in the first 100 days. Serious problem we have here. All right. This bar and restaurant expert who has his own show shares that if you get a customer to experience just three visits with you, they have a 70% chance of returning for the fourth. Oh, oh, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Uh, let me think of his name. This would be, I, we, we actually share the same publisher. That's a little behind the scenes while I'm trying to think of his name. Would this be John Taffer from who, Bar Rescue? Who is John Taffer? You are who three for three. <laughs> yes. All right. Now. This is your co-host, Dan Gingas of the podcast. Experience this. Posted this on social media, Twitter. Oh, jeez. Now, now, wait a second. I got to interject here. We're talking about Twitter. If you listen to our podcast, the Experience This Show, you know that Dan teases me relentlessly <laughs> about my lack of Twitter status and lack of Twitter following. Uh, you know, Dan has been in Twitter. I think he's got, you know, thousands and thousands of followers. I don't even know where I'm at. I, I know when I spoke at Social Media Marketing World, they were kind <laughs> enough to invite me for the keynote. When I took the stage, I had 164 followers followers. Folks, that's not 164,000. That's 164 people. And I knew all of them. No robo followers, no bots following me. These are people I actually met. All right. All right. Dan you sufficiently self handicapped yourself well enough. All right. All right. All right. Dan Gingis on Twitter. Let's see what my buddy Dan has to say. And you retweeted this so just for the record. Oh, geez. I retweeted it. That makes it even worse. All right. All right. All right. 54% of people prefer this medium to talk to people over all channels of other customer service? 54% of people prefer this medium over all others. Wow. I think you may have stumped me. Let me, let me give it a little bit of, a little bit of thought and consideration. All right. I'm going to say, what is the phone? Now, all right. Yes. Four for four. All right. Four awesome. for four. <laughs> All right. Last one here. We're moving back into never lose a customer again. One right. in three people will leave this industry before the one year anniversary. Oh, you know, the kicker here is there's a lot of industries, but I think the one you're probably referring to is banking. Yes. 
Yes. And you said 32%. So I changed it a little bit to make See, it more difficult. It's up on me a little bit. Yeah, exactly. It's 32%. So here's the crazy thing about that stat. 32% of new bank customers will leave before the one-year anniversary. And half of those, 16%, will leave before the 100-day anniversary, with 20% of the people who leave will leave without conducting a single transaction at that bank. They go to all the headache of setting up a bank account, and they don't even do an ATM withdrawal or a single direct deposit. It's It's insane. It's amazing. I mean, so you laid out to start this book with all these serious issues, which people never thought of. I would have never thought half the people that go to Chuck E. Cheese the first time leave. I mean, that's crazy statistics. And in your book, you talk about the eight phases of the customer experience. And I love this. Assess, admit, affirm, activate, acclimate, accomplish, adopt, and advocate. I'm going to add another one to you because they're all involving the after effect to an extent. And it's the after effect. And I want to know, you know, what are some of the best stories that you're seeing, Joey, in this after effect of the customer experience? Oh, there's there's so many great stories. And and I appreciate the question because in the book, I discuss 46 different case studies (laughs) of companies that are doing amazing things. Let's help me narrow it down. When you think of those eight phases, well, let me give a brief overview of the phases. So assess is when the customer is trying to decide whether they want to do business with you. Admit is day one. When they officially transition from becoming a prospect to a customer, they raise their hand. They say, I have a problem. I believe that you can help. This is when the 100 days start. Almost immediately after that, they slip into buyer's remorse, the affirm stage where you need to counter their feelings of doubt about the decision they just made. Then the activate phase, phase four, when you start the relationship off, you really energize it by laying the foundation of what it's going to be like. So this is the kickoff meeting or when they receive your product and they first unbox it and open it and start to use it. Then we come to the acclimate stage. This is where most businesses fall off the rails. You need to hold your customer's hand because they're new. They've never done this before. You've delivered your product or service thousands of times, millions of times, hundreds of times, whatever it may be. You know how this goes. They don't. You need to hold their hand and make sure they're okay. So they reach the next phase, accomplish. When they accomplish the goal that they had when they originally decided to do business with you. Then and only then can you transition them to the adopt stage where they become a loyal customer, adopting the relationship, and they decide they're going to be loyal to you and your brand and not shop anywhere else. Finally, we reach the holy grail, advocate, right? This is where they become a raving fan referring new business friends and colleagues to you. So those are the eight phases. Let me throw it back on you if I may, Jesse. Which phase do you find most interesting? And I'll tell you about a company that's doing something that's world class in that phase. Well, this is good because I think we are very good at the beginning phases. You know, when people and you talk about this, when people buy something from us, the first thing they get is congrats. You just made the best decision in your day. Right now, we're running around the stadium, hoisting up your tickets. We're celebrating with Gatorade showers. Now your tickets are in our vault, maximum security, ready for you to go bananas. And then they get a thank you call. Every single person who buys merchandise, a ticket, they get a thank you call from one of our staff members. And then we plan the experience when they come here. My challenge, what I try to think about, I'm very intrigued after. So for instance, they bought and we start that, but really after. So when they come to a game, we put on the whole experience over the top show and then they leave the ballpark. And so I'm very intrigued for other companies that they actually experienced it. They bought it and they, they went through the whole process, the after effect then. Awesome. I love it. I love it. So in your business model with folks coming to a baseball game, the accomplish phase for them is to use their ticket to actually go to the game. So you've done more than what a lot of businesses do. You've gotten them all the way there. They're ready. They're excited. They enjoy the game. They have a great time. Mm -hmm. Now what do we do? 
How do we get them to come to another game? How do we get them to, you know, put the Savannah Bananas logo on their body? You know, how do we get them to be really excited about this? One of my favorite examples about this, and it feels like it's totally something that would be up your alley, comes from the incomparable Taylor Swift. Mm. All right. So Taylor Swift did a thing that was known as Swiftmas. She finished one of her tours and she came off tour and she went on to her Facebook page or Instagram page, Twitter, all the various social media accounts she has. And she has millions and millions of followers. And she started researching her customers, mm. people that were fans of hers so that she could give them Christmas presents or Swiftmas presents. But what she did is she didn't say, oh, I know I'm going to do a signed CD and cut to her book for everybody and just send it out to 20 or 30 people. She found 20 or 30 people and went on their profiles and learned what they were asking for for Christmas. You know, one woman that she worked with, she realized the woman was commenting about how she had to work so hard to pay off her student loan. And Taylor Swift gave her the money to pay off the loan. Another talked about how her friend wasn't going to have that big of a Christmas because she had lost her job. And so Swift did an amazing, glorious day of adventure for the both of them mm. uh, to have this memorable moment. So for you, I could see a scenario because you know the customer's name. You know that they've been to the ballpark. They've had a good time. If I were you, I would consider picking some of those. And you're not going to be able to do it with everyone. And that's okay. You pick a handful. They're the the fan of the game or the mm -hmm. fan of the week or whatever it may be. And you do special, unique things for them. Let them throw out a first pitch, put them in the dugout, mm -hmm. you know, do something special to give them an access or a gift or a surprise that they wouldn't otherwise be able to gift. No, so that's, that's something that I might do post uh, relationship. The other thing I would do is, and you guys may already do this, Jesse, because you're such pros. Um, when I had somebody coming for the first time, I would figure out a way of getting a picture of them with their family. Mm. And I would send that to them after the fact. Yeah. Right. So you know what seat they're going to be in, pick a handful, go down, get the mascot, do a photo, you know, uh, with them and then be able to send that as a printed photograph in a frame afterwards mm. saying, we hope you come back soon. These are the type of things that people would put up in their home. They'll talk about you. I know you've got a very loyal local following mm -hmm. that absolutely loves you guys. Someone's going to be in their house and see that and be like, hey, where'd you get the banana frame? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, the first time I went to a game, I was, you know... Uh, the the fan of the day or whatever and I got this gift mailed to me afterwards. Mm. I love it. I think it, it, it's so great for, I mean, I appreciate going here with us, but I think you got to look at it. Com most companies don't get the beginning phases right, but the after effect, it's not necessarily you have to do it for everybody. I think that's what you just mentioned, the swiftness, you know, 20 to 30 people. You know, when you think about 100,000, 200,000 people, it's sometimes tough to create those unbelievable surprise and delight. Have you seen any companies that try to do it in a scale? Well, I have it. Two things. Number one, I think one of the things that paralyzes most companies from creating remarkable experiences for their customers is that they believe that they have to do it for every customer. And that scares them. And so then they say, well, I guess we won't do it for anyone. Yeah. Folks, dip your foot in the pool. Give it a try. 
pick a handful. Even if you want to do it for your best customers, I don't care. Start to create that level of philosophy and that level of thinking in your organization that we really want to love on our customers. We want to create a great experience. And then as time builds and you get some momentum, it's easier to scale it. So there's an interesting company that I work with that's actually not a case study in the book, but uh, that did it at scale. They get 500 new customers a day. Okay. Now I know very few businesses, yours might be one of the few exceptions that have 500 new customers a day Huge. and they send every one of those customers a handwritten thank you note. Love it. Thanking them for the order. Now, here's what they do. It's an online e-commerce business that sells a weight loss supplement. Mm. And they went out and they hired a bunch of stay-at-home moms. They gave those moms branded note cards, stamps, envelopes. And every morning, those moms, after they get their kids off to school, wake up to an email that's a spreadsheet with the name of the new customer, first name and last name, and their mailing address, and some information they've entered on the form when they signed up about why they are interested in getting this product or what their goal is with their weight loss. These moms then handcraft a thank you note and put it in the mail and it goes out. Can you imagine getting a handcrafted thank you note when you bought weight loss pills online? This never happens. Never happens. That's how you stand out. So I actually believe it can be done at scale. There are companies that do things at a uh, at a much larger scale that we talk about in the book. You know, Sephora does this with thousands and thousands of customers with their uh, top loyalty program. Starwood does this um, with their SPG program. Harley Davidson has you know millions of customers around the world, and they have an incredible level of adoption of their product to the point where I mean they're often the one everybody talks about as being the ultimate brand yeah. because people are willing to brand their bodies with the Harley Davidson logo. <laughs> I mean, what more could you ask? Oh, it's so, yeah, amazing. it can be done at scale. Yeah. Well, again, we've tried. I mean, we we call every one of the people that buys tickets. So that's almost 100,000 people. You know, and now again, that's a lot. Now, again, not everyone, if it's a group that they buy 100 tickets, we call the group leader and, and sure, take them. Sure. But, but it can be done. But I think the challenge, and I'm intrigued from you and your experience and research, is if we were to call this segment, it would be Culture Club. You know, I'm fascinated by how a company can build a culture around experience where it's not just people at the top, but everyone is looking at this. And, you know, I've seen some great, I I love the story about the Maverick, you know, 1000 and the initiation, but is there other companies that you work with that really built this culture where everyone from all their employees are making this happen? Yeah. So Jesse, you hit the nail on the head. The big issue here is you need all of your employees to be bought into this philosophy and mindset. I had an experience not too long ago where a a CEO hired me and he was like, I want you to come talk to my people. We want to be delivering a first class Ritz Carlton white glove experience. I said, okay. So I got the whole team together and I said, uh, okay, you've heard the boss say this and everybody's kind of dutifully nodding and the boss is beaming. And I said, let me ask a question. By a show of hands, how many of you have ever spent the night in a Ritz-Carlton? And the CEO proudly raises his hand and the CFO raises his hand and no one else in the room raises their hand. I said, okay, how many of you have ever flown first class? Again, the CEO and the CFO, this time the head of sales raises his hand as well and no one else. I said, all right, last question. How many of you have ever eaten at a restaurant where your food was delivered to you on a silver tray by someone wearing gloves that they then unveiled the meal? And this time only the CEO raises his hand. And I turned to the management team and I said, it's really hard to ask your employees to create remarkable customer experiences when they've never had one. Yeah. 
So the number one step for creating a culture of experience is to deliver incredible experiences to your employees. So they have a framework, a context, an understanding of what you're asking them to do for your customers. So that's absolutely where I would start. And you're right. There, there's lots of great examples uh, in the book of companies that have fantastic brands, you know, where with loyal members and loyal customers. Uh, a couple that come to mind, uh, the Maverick 1000 Entrepreneur Group that you mentioned. Those guys, I'm a member of the group. They're crazy. It's <laughs> awesome. Um, there's a real tight-knit group out of Washington, D.C. called Cadre, run by my good friends Derek and Melanie Coburn. It's a pay-to-play networking group. They foster community from the very outset by getting their members to make those welcome calls. So you do the welcome calls and, you know, thank you calls to people who buy a ticket. When someone signs up for their $6,000 a year annual networking membership, they get a phone call within the first week from a member of the group nice. who says, we're so excited to have you. And I don't know about you, Jesse, you, you skew a little differently than most. And I say that respectfully. You walk into a room and you're willing probably in most scenarios, because I've seen you do this, to strike up a conversation with a stranger. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people aren't. And so what Cadre has done is they've set up a scenario whereby they have these monthly in-person meetings. Because you've had the phone call from a member, when you walk into that meeting, you already know one person there. Mm. And that's usually all it takes. And then that person on the welcoming committee knows that they're going to go above and beyond and out of their way to introduce you to a handful of other people so okay. that you have the opportunity to really get the value out of your membership. I love it. And then you got adopting and advocating because when you got your members that are already a part of it, calling them, they become evangelists and you build that unity so much faster. You get it, buddy. Oh, Absolutely. I love that. And you know, you used to be thinking about like, how do we give our people a Ritz Carlton experience or whatever? But it doesn't mean you can just do special things. Like we do really special, unique trips for uh, our people and their spouses when they least expect it. It can just be individual things of great service. It doesn't have to be taking them first class or Ritz Carlton. You can just find those unique experiences. So absolutely yeah. correct. Yeah. It, you know, and, and I'm a big fan of you should create the types of experiences that are in alignment with the types of experiences you want your business to create. You may not align with a first class experience or a Ritz Carlton experience. That's fine. You know, with all due respect to McDonald's, it's neither first class or Ritz Carlton and there are billions and billions served, right? But they're very clear about the role they play in the marketplace. And I think that's something every business owner uh, should look at is, who do we want to be in the marketplace? What do we want to be known for? What do we want our reputation to be? What do we want the character of our people to be? And then live into that. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right, Joey, back to some games where most people do All like right. sponsorships. We just have games as our sponsorship. All Perfect. right. I love it. So this is a brand new one. So you can grab, I know your favorite type of root beer for this one is a big root beer guy. All I right. I like it. Thank it, you. It is time for a customer experience showdown. You versus me. Here we go. Ooh, all right. All right. Never, never done this before. I'm going to give you an industry and maybe give it one tip or something they could do to really stand out from an experience standpoint. Okay. Okay. And to make sure, do you want me to have them standing out from the other people in their industry yes. or standing out across the board? Okay. Uh, just great. Their, so start with their in industry. In the context of their industry. Yes. Beautiful. We'll beautiful. Keep it I so. love it. All right. Perfect. An insurance agency. An insurance agency. The worst part, in my personal opinion, about dealing with insurance is when you need to make a claim, mm. right? It's a nightmare. It's a thing you've paid for the entire time, and yet now you have to talk to someone who you've never talked to before, answer questions as if you're being grilled by a lawyer, 
and find yourself in a scenario where you're asking and begging to get a payment that, by the way, is the reason you bought insurance in the first place. So what I would do is I would make the insurance claim process the best part of the entire engagement. If someone has an insurance claim, I would invite them to the office. I would have prepped to make sure the office is ready for the things they love, the things they like to drink, the things they like to eat. Maybe if they're stressed out, they've been in an accident, they have a problem. There's a massage therapist there to just relax them. And then I would have a friendly conversation where I ask them the questions I need to know so that all of the data that I need to gather as required to process the claim is being gathered in an in-person conversation where I can take as much time as it takes, connect with them emotionally, and then process it behind the scenes so they don't have to be involved. Wow. Killed it. Make the worst part the best. Wow. That was impressive. All right. I'm nervous for this one. You can throw one at me. All right. I'm going to ask you, how would you create a remarkable experience for someone that owned uh, an after-school business. So like a, a dance studio for kids or like a martial arts studio, something that kids would go to as an after-school activity. Okay. All right. So after-school activity. So again, I, I go the same thing, the mirror moment. What frustrates people about that industry? What frustrates people from a customer perspective? So after-school, so you probably have parents dropping them off and then the kids... They're just probably wrangling them, trying to get them together and perform dance or other activities. So again, it goes into the best possible experience. So I would think about how do you actually, how do you get the kids involved in the decision-making process? As crazy as that sounds, let the kids do the dances that may be the popular songs that they want to. So I would think about as crazy as letting six, seven, eight-year-olds involved, I would figure out how to showcase, give them options to create the best dances, the best things that they want to do. What would be perfect for kids? And this is tough for me, Joey, because you have two kids. I'm having my first in a month. I so, know you've got one coming down the road. That's why I kind of wanted, I wanted to give you a preview, buddy, of yeah. things to come. Yeah, you grilled me because I don't have kids. So <laughs> I'm just trying to think about when I had a kid. When I was a kid, my biggest fear was being alone. I hated going to something and not having friends and not having, you know, it's crazy that sounds, the guy in the yellow tuxedo. I wanted to be able to connect with everyone. And if I didn't know people, I felt terrible. So yeah. I would figure out how do you have more fun activities that get everyone to be a part of it. And, uh, you know, that, that's a tough one, Joey. I think you're winning so far. I'm, I, do, what, what, no, what, no, I thought that was a good answer. I thought that was a good answer because you, you hit on what I think is a fundamental thing. We have to know who our customers yeah. are and we have to meet our customers where they're at. Mm -hmm. For example, I never took piano lessons, but you know how somebody could get me to take piano lessons? Mm -hmm. They would say to me, hey, Joey, what are your favorite? favorite three songs. I'm going to teach you how to play those on piano. Yeah. We're not going to learn scales. We're not going to do row, row, row your boat. We're not going to do any of those exercises. You're a grown man. We're going to teach you three songs so that when you're at a party and you see a piano, you can sit down, rock out your three songs, get some applause and call it a night. Yeah, it's brilliant. I love it. I'm going to give one more to you. You ready? All right. Car dealership. Because I've had challenges with these ones. Oh, oh, car dealership. Yeah. Here's the thing. What most people don't realize with a car dealership is the car dealership doesn't make its money on the sale of the car. They make their money on the service. They make their money on creating a service relationship with you. Now, here's the challenge for the car salesperson. When you're selling someone a new car, the last thing you want to spend a lot of time talking about is the service. Because wait a second, I just bought a new car. How often am I going to need to be in here getting it serviced? What I would do is I would say, if you buy your car with us, you get lifetime oil changes. 
because an oil change is not that expensive to produce. No. And if they're coming in regularly for an oil change, guess what? You're going to get all the other repair jobs too because they're never going to go anywhere else for an oil change if yours is free. You're not making that big uh, much money on the oil change, but now you're getting it when the transmission goes, when they need new tires, whatever it may need. So I would do something that is so crazy and so out of the norm that it makes them never want to take their car to anyone else but you. I love it. I love it. And I think that's what's great. We're going through the cycle here. It's like, what is that best possible experience from the beginning to end? And how do you make them talk about it and love it? And I think that's great. How about we riff on this last one together? You ready? All right. Sounds good. All right. Because I get a lot of people, restaurant owners that just are still trying to figure it out. So the restaurant industry for me gets so frustrating because I can't tell you 90% of the time I walk into a restaurant and I'm not greeted. No one even greets me. You're sitting there, you're waiting, you're trying to please wait to be seated. So when a restaurant experience, I'll start with the beginning, maybe you can go to the end. You know, how do you wow people when they first come in? I love the idea of free samples. You know, we're down here in Savannah and they're going around with all this Savannah treats and the pralines and walking around with free samples. Right there, literally, people come in, offer free samples of the great food, you know, have people walk around, maybe that white glove service. So even while they're waiting, they still get something, some kind of treat, something to wow them. You have someone greeting them that's, you know, exuberant, a director of first impressions like we have here with the bananas, someone that's creating a lot of excitement. So even if they have to wait, they're already wowed because I think as you, the first impression makes such an impression on your experience. If you're waiting there forever, already your your last impression could be bad. So I think about the beginning of the restaurant experience. How would you take it from there? I take it from there by when they get seated. So there's a company that I talk about in the book called Barrow. It's a restaurant in Toronto. And they do something really interesting. Because they're paying attention on their uh, reservation system, they know whether you've eaten in their restaurant or not before, right? So they know if you're a returning guest or a first-time guest. And we've all had that experience where you sit down at the table. And one of the first questions the server asks you is, have you dined with us before, right? And I understand the reason they ask, but it feels so contrived and not at all personal. What Barrow does is they have two colored menus. They have a blue menu and a green menu. And depending on whether you've eaten there before and they know it, they give you the properly colored menu. So then everybody walking through the restaurant, all the other waiters who are at different tables, the bus staff, uh, the manager, the maitre d', everyone knows whether this is a first time or a returning, and they can address them specifically. Oh, Mr. Cole, it's so great to have yeah. you back in the restaurant again. Or, oh, Mr. Cole, I see it's your first time with us. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. Don't miss the quesadilla appetizer. It's incredible, or yeah. whatever it is. And now the relationship is a lot more personalized. I love it. Just like John Tapper says, you got to get them to come to that fourth visit. And then what I love too is the end. I, I, one company does a thank you card as their bill, and it's a handwritten thank you card. And that's what the bill comes in a much Uh, different. I love it. I love it. Completely different experience. Exactly. You know, I mentioned, I mentioned that restaurant borrow and this ties back to the earlier thing we were talking about where it doesn't have to be every customer. They pick a handful of customers at their restaurant every week and the owners do a video that gets emailed to those customers thanking them for their patronage. Love it. Right? They don't do it to everyone, but they do it to a handful and people post these videos online and on social media and they talk about it. Oh my gosh, I've never had a restaurant thank me a week later for dining at their establishment. Usually once you walk out the door, that's the end of the relationship. 
Beautiful, beautiful. All right, you have officially won the customer experience showdown, Joey. You do get, oh, you get that no, one. Oh, no, no, you're kind. <laughs> you're kind. It was good group effort. Good all right. Effort. Now we're moving on. I want to get into a little bit on the marketing side because we're, this is all marketing. When you talk about customer experience, you don't have to spend as much marketing. You focus on the experience. So I'm intrigued from your going personal here, Joey. What's the best thing you've done from a marketing minute in growing your brand? From a marketing minute yeah. in growing my yeah. brand. Okay, so... This this is something I get razzed about uh, by a number of my friends and clients. And as much as I love them, I'm not going to change. I actually do my own emails. I And it sounds like a little thing, but the number of people who will send me an email... And when I write an email, I usually write a pretty lengthy reply. And I try to make it a thoughtful reply. Now, what that means is sometimes you don't get a reply as quickly as you would like. But I'm always trying to keep that personal touch there. So I, I believe there's an opportunity uh, within email because it's the tool most businesses are using to communicate. And yet most businesses are using it poorly. You know, we've, we've all the rules are gone. We don't have a salutation. We don't address them by name. We don't sign off at the end, right? My emails read like a letter in typed format. Now, granted, that maybe makes me a little old school and takes a little more time. But I have people comment regularly and publicly about, oh my gosh, you haven't lived until you've gotten a personalized email from Joey. You know, you really feel like he cares. So I would say it's it's not that wild and crazy, but lots of times it's, as you well know, it's the little things that make the difference. You know, the big fireworks display and all the craziness, that's awesome and it's fun. Don't get me wrong. And I know you're great at that. You do that. But people don't keep coming back to your ball games for the fireworks. Nope. They keep coming back for the heart, mm -hmm. for the spirit, for, what, for how you and your team, both on the field and your support team, you know, in the stands and in the ticket office, how those people show up. No, 100%. And I, and I think one thing I took from you too is, the, the videos, I mean, emails doesn't just have to be a written email. You can do a video email that goes such a long way and shows the personality of the brand. And I think that's an easy way to stand out right now because I don't know what percentage of people are sending video emails, but it's very, very small. It's very small. And these tools are so easy, folks. Whether you're using something like BombBomb or Vidyard or Bonjuro, there are a bunch of different services. You basically, it's a, it's an app, for lack of a better way of putting it, that attaches to your browser. So when you're in your email, you press this button, it activates the camera, you film a quick video, and it sends it off. Mm -hmm. It's super easy to do. And boy, when you open an email, and what a lot of them are doing now is they do gifts at the front. So there'll be like a three second period. And what I've started doing when I send those is I'll like dance around and I'll be a little crazy. So when they open their email, they get this little three second gif of like me waving or jumping up and down or whatever. And then the recording starts and I'm focused in and having the conversation with them. It's, it can be a really powerful tool. I love it. All right. We'll bang into the ninth inning soon. I want to first one. I want to go into service because we've been talking a lot about it. But personal service for you. I call this segment. Now that's what I call service. What's one of the best experiences that stood out for you? Wow, I feel very fortunate as a, uh, a student of customer experience. I'm constantly seeking out interesting experiences. But one that I had that was just absolutely crazy over the top, I found myself in a restaurant in Hungary, in Budapest, Hungary, the capital of Hungary, called Gundels. Gundels has been around for, I think, well over 100 years. It's probably the most famous restaurant in the country. And I ordered a meal that was called the Chef's Degustation. It was a 10-course meal 
that the chef had personally prepared uh, with everything paired with, you know, drinks and different appetizers and everything. It was insane. And it was that white glove service. It was each bite was an explosion of flavor in your mouth and each new course brought something that you had never seen before. So I think, and I know we've talked about restaurants, I think there's some absolutely incredible experiences that you can have in the area of fine dining. And if you want to just get a taste uh, of what this is like, there's a there's a great show on Netflix that is a, have you seen this? It's a doc, it's, it's not a documentary, I the guess. The Chef's Table? Series. Yeah, Chef's Table, exactly, <laughs> yes. which is absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know about you, I watch an episode of that from time to time and it's like i want to just go get on a plane and go to wherever the restaurant is that they're featuring it's ridiculous it's such an amazing attention to detail and i think that's what this all comes down to it's attention to detail the entire journey for the customer it's not just right when you're trying to sell them i think that's a big premise of your book joey it's like everyone works so hard in the courtship and then all of a sudden just stops yeah, it, you know, and it's crazy because, and I understand. So we've got a couple of things. Number one, the hu- the nature of the human condition is we like the chase better than the catch, yes. right? It's exciting, it's new, it's interesting. But anyone who's been happily married for any period of time will tell you that you know the the retaining the relationship, while it certainly requires work, is actually more fulfilling than the chase. And so I just wish more people would approach their customers that way. We say we care about our customers. We say we want lifelong, long-term referring customers. And yet our behaviors aren't in alignment with that. That's why I think it's so important to shift the focus, not just to the acquisition and the marketing and sales, because that's useful Mm -hmm. and it's a necessary part of every business, but at least be willing to spend the same amount of time, money, and effort on keeping your customers as you are on going and seeking customers. If you do that, it will dramatically increase the business. And as the results actually show, uh, in the typical business, it's going to increase profits somewhere between 25 and 100% mm. just by keeping your customers. You know, that was such an aha moment for me right there, Joey, because I think about my wife and the support that she gives me with everything. And she's always there for me. And I think that is so much more valuable. If you think of companies, are they always there for you? Are, did they give you that support? And if you try to treat someone like a spouse, like you treat your customers, but both, you know, vice versa, that's when you can have a really a business that thrives forever. Absolutely. And I, you know, not to get too philosophical on this, but I think that's part of the reason why we have so many problems with customer experience in business and such a high divorce rate in this country. It's because people aren't willing to put in the time. They're not willing to create the personal and emotional connections. And what's fascinating to me is we live in an era where courtesy of social media and our phones and the internet, we are more connected than at any other time in human history. We have the ability to connect with people on the other side of the planet who we've never met. You and I are on a podcast and we're thousands of miles away from each other. And by the way, you know, spoiler alert, folks, Jesse and I met once before this, all right? Now we hit it off because as you can tell, we have a lot of similar interests and likes and I'm a big fan of what he's doing. But, you know, we're able to have this relationship. And yet, people feel more disconnected Mm. than at any other time in human history. They don't have the personal and emotional connection that they want. And so they're seeking it or they're in stagnation and they're suffering as a result. Mm. So I think your customers are thirsting for this level of relationship. And people say, oh, well, Joey, it's business. You can't do that, that personal. No, 
humans are humans. Mm. I don't care whether you're B to B, B to C, B to G, H to D, A to F. It doesn't matter. Mm. If you are selling, you are selling to a human. Mm. If you have a customer, that customer is a human. Mm. Let's start treating them that way. No, that's amazing. I know we get the lightning rounds, but we could talk about this forever because I believe you need to love your customers more than you love your product, but also love your employees more than you love your customers. It's built on love and people are scared to talk about love and it's they okay. Are. Yes. So, okay, folks, it's okay. Hey, if, if Jesse can put on a yellow tuxedo and I can be standing on top of a mountain in Colorado and we're comfortable talking about love, <laughs> you can be comfortable about it too. All right. We're going to move the love fest into some lightning rounds quickly. All right. All right. Lightning round. Question time. I believe yes. if you if you want better answers in business, you need to ask better questions. I'm fascinated by the research you've done in this book. You've obviously asked a lot of questions. What are some of the best questions you are asking right now? Some of the best questions I'm asking right now. That's a really good one. Um, you know, one of my favorite things to, to ask when I'm working with a client is uh, how they learn and what they learn from. Because it gives me an indication into uh, what type of, not really what type of student they are, but how they get their information and how they process information. So I'm constantly asking people, what's what's the book that you read most recently? What's the, the movie or the documentary that you watched that really had an impact on you? What's the experience you had? I'm always looking for what are the inputs that are influencing their outputs. Mm, excellent. Beautiful. All right. Next one, tool time. What's the most important tool you're using right now in your business toolbooks, toolbox? I know you mentioned email earlier, but what do you think you're using that's helping you from your business toolbox? You know, I talk in the book about six tools that you can use in person, email, videos, snail mail, gifts and presents. Um, I, I think the one that is working really well for me right now is I'm trying to go above and beyond on in person. I get to travel a lot because I'm a speaker. I'm on the road about two and a half weeks out of the month. And anytime I go into somewhere to speak in a city, I do my best to on Facebook find out which of my friends live in that city or which contacts that I've met in the past and go in a night early and do a little dinner. That in-person interaction, you know, it's it's so much more valuable. I feel like a minute in person is more than an hour online Love in it. terms of your ability to connect. So I think in person is uh, a highly uh, underrated connection mode that people really benefit from and desire. Brilliant. Human to human connection. All right, Joey, I want to know some of your favorites now. Favorite part of your morning routine? Oh, favorite part of my morning routine. I got to tell you, I'm not a morning person. You know, we were joking about this earlier. I am a night owl by nature. So I would suppose my favorite part of the morning routine is uh, taking a nice long shower. It's what I, I, I like to ease into my day. And I believe if I have a good amount of time to get ready in the morning, it's not that I'm primping. It's just that I'm kind of slowly moving from sleep state to a live state because I've usually gone to bed sometime after 2 a.m. And because I have two kids, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, I'm usually up very early with them, <laughs> like in the 7 a.m. range. Yeah. So getting that morning that morning shower and letting that be quiet, think and come to lifetime. <laughs> and great thoughts come in the shower. I love, I think a, a mutual acquaintance of ours, Jordan Harbinger, shares his shower thoughts on his post. Yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. Hysterical. they're I love hysterical. It. All right. Uh, favorite way to unwind at the end of the day? 
favorite way to unwind at the end of the day. You know, this is going to be a funny one. We uh, at my house with uh, my boys, we have a a couch that's kind of a C shape, right? It kind of creates a little area. And my boys and I have affectionately called that space in the middle of the couch, the pit. And we get in the pit and we pound our hands on the ground and everybody says, get in the pit, get in the pit. And everybody comes in and we get in and then we just wrestle and we just, <laughs> and I wrestle them like crazy. And it's a great way to unwind. And it's a great way to me, uh, for me to connect with my kids. And, and frankly, to be totally transparent to remember why I'm doing this. You know, I'm doing this because I'm trying to create the life and the opportunity for my family and to lead by example with my boys of the, the men I hope they become when they grow up. Love it. All right. What about the favorite book that stands out in regards to let's go with the customer experience. I know obviously this never lose a customer again, nails it, but was one that really impacted you. Oh, you know, I'm going to go old school on this. All right. right? Um, There's a lot of great books and I have a lot of friends in the customer experience space and customer service space. Shep Hyken's written a ton of great books. John Rulin's written a ton of great books. My co-host Dan Gingas has a great book on social. Uh, There's a lot of folks out there, but I'm going to go old school. I'm going to talk about Harvey McKay. Have you ever read any of Harvey McKay's stuff, Jesse? I actually haven't, and I'm shocked. Awesome. This guy is great. Okay, so first of all, I think his most recent book was like in the late 90s. Okay, so his books are back from the 80s. Harvey McKay was the number one envelope salesman in the world, right? He sold envelopes. Stop and think about it. There was a time where you could have a profession and a career selling envelopes. He's written a number of books, but I think my favorite one is Beware the Naked Man Who Offers You the Shirt Off His Back. And what he talks about in that book is how do you do customer intelligence? And he's talking about it in a Rolodex. What information should you record about your customer in your Rolodex so that you can create personal and emotional connections with them? Great book. All of his books are great, but he's written a number from back in the day that are just very inspiring and also very tactical of how to create remarkable experiences. Amazing. Most books that are recommended, I've already read. So this is new. I'm very excited for this. Good, good. The final favorite, a magic moment, a moment you will never forget. Oh, I, you know, Jesse, I've been so blessed. I have been so blessed with literally thousands of magic moments. And I write these down and I record them. And every once in a while, I even try to rank them. And, it, and it, it's so difficult. Um, why don't I go with the one that the first one that popped into mind? And it probably popped into mind because I'm looking at a little memento from the trip. I once had the opportunity to stand on a bridge in Fiji next to my wife and Tony Robbins and jump into a roaring river below with a life vest on and have the river carry us downstream, jumped right as the sun was setting up, carry us downstream to a lagoon in the middle of the island where we were able to look up at the stars and see the entire galaxy with no light pollution because we're in the middle of the ocean on Fiji. It's not particularly developed and we're floating in the water with a bunch of fellow entrepreneurs and business owners as part of Tony Robbins' uh, Platinum Partners program. It was a memory that was burned into my skull and I will remember in my dying days. Oh, that's amazing. Beautiful. All right. Now just our final four, Joe. You ready for these? All right, final four. All right, hang on. I'm ready. I may throw in a game at the end of this too, just because I, I have to. But all right, final I'm sure. four. I'm game for whatever. All right. Uh, 
All right. Actually, yeah, no, we'll do final four, then the game. All right. What have you done to stand out in business and in life? What have I done to stand out in business and life? I've always been willing to do the next thing. What I mean by that is my career is completely eclectic. I worked for the CIA. I worked in the White House. I worked for the Secret Service. I was a criminal defense lawyer. I taught uh, at the postgraduate level. I ran a company selling promotional products. I ran an ad agency, and now I'm a professional speaker. The thing is, with all of those jobs, I didn't leave the job because I hated it. I left the job because I had found a new thing that I loved more. And so I think the thing that has really made me stand out is my background and my experience is so diverse and so eclectic. But the common thread that connects it is why do human beings do the things they do? And what can we do to make them do the things we want them to do? I'm a student of the human condition. And I think that's really served me well. Love it. Now, if you were giving advice to someone and they were starting out, how, how to stand out in business and in life, what advice would you give them? Trust your gut. Love it. Trust your gut. You know, it's, it's not about what is the newfangled sparkly way to communicate with your customers. You know, what are the six step process that you need to do? Human beings, I believe by our very nature are good and decent people who know what the right choice is. I tell my boys all the time that the number one mantra of parenting in our house is make good choices. I believe everything is a choice. And I think if you just do your best to make the choice that feels like the right choice at the moment and then learn if it's not, that's enough. Beautiful. Final two here. The best advice you've ever received. Oh, uh, the, for, I, I'm going to go with my wife. Uh, she reminds me regularly that I need to sleep more. <laughs> I spent a lot of time believing that sleep was a sign of weakness. Uh, I wore all-nighters on my uh, sleeve like a badge of courage. My record was 36 all-nighters in a single year. Um, I and actually kept a tally. I had a scoreboard behind my desk. That's how sick I was about this stuff. Um, sleep's important. Sleep's <laughs> valuable. It allows us to rejuvenate. It allows us to think. And it's a lot easier to be creative when you've had a good night's sleep. 100%. With this huge book launch, like I said, rest and recovery, Joey. You guessed it. That was great advice you gave me before we started recording. You know, Jesse says to me, Joey, you've got your book. You know, you need to make sure you've got time built in, you know, with the book post launch and, you know, that you're well taken care of. And it, it was it was great advice. Final question here. How do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as this is a tough one. It chokes me up a little bit. I, I, I think if I could be remembered as somebody who always tried their best, even if even if it didn't work out, they always tried to love the fullest, live the fullest, experience the fullest, help out my fellow human whenever I could, and just try to be a, a good person who tries my best. If, if I can have that on my tombstone, I feel like I'll have led a good life. Oh, that's for sure. Well, you certainly have. And you did say you were willing to one more game. So I one think we're, we're going to send us home in a whole new way we've never done before, Joey. All right. Okay. At our games, we play a thing called Sing in the Blank. And we bring out two people on the field, put a microphone in front of them. And what we do, it's usually two grown men and we play a love song and they have to sing the song in front of themselves. Now, you who don't have some experience in this category, we're going to have a song where you have to finish those song lyrics. But the song lyrics actually have a lot to do with your book here. Are you ready for this? Oh, <laughs> I love it. All right. I'm going to do my best here. Send it home. We're going back 80s. A little old school. Here we go. All right. Go. Old school 80s. When it stops, you finish. All right. Never gonna pick you up. 
Never gonna let you down. Never gonna run around and desert you. <laughs> yes. All right. You nailed it. Yes. Never gonna give you up by Rick Ashley, which going into never lose a customer again, I thought it'd be a perfect send off for this show, Joey. And you nailed it, my friend. Ah, uh, you're kind. You're kind. <laughs> thanks for keeping. Thanks for making this, Jesse, by far. And I say this respectfully because I got a lot of friends who've been kind enough to have me on their podcasts over the years. You are in a class of your own, my friend. There is no podcast on the planet that is even close to the insanity and the craziness and the excitement and the experience that you bring to the show. Thanks so much for having me. No, Joey, thanks so much. Really loved having you on the show. Never lose a customer again. Turn any sale into lifelong loyalty in 100 days. Where else, Joey, can people learn more and connect with you? Uh, come check out my website. It's joeycoleman.com. That's J-O-E-Y, like a five-year-old you know. And Coleman, C-O-L-E-M-A-N, like the camping equipment, joeycoleman.com. You'll find information about the book, videos, all kinds of ideas. I try to, like I said earlier, my goal is to raise the bar uh, for customer experience in this country and around the world. I believe it's lying on the ground. And so everything that I'm dedicated and focused on is trying to help you create more remarkable experiences for your customers. And you certainly have. Thank you, Joey, for sharing your amazing wisdom today on Business Done Differently. Thanks, Jesse. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Business Done Differently. Our goal is simple, to inspire you to think different, have fun, and stand out in business and in life. For more ways you can stand out in your business, visit findyouryellowtux.com and you can get the Yellow Tux Handbook for free with the six steps to stand out directly from the Find Your Yellow Tux book. Finally, a big shout out to Podcast Pilot for producing the show and making all the magic happen. For questions, ideas, and feedback, I'd love to hear from you. So shoot a note to jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out. Thank you.